All right, and we're live. I'm here with Hayden Pettigo. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. So this is the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I'm on my 17th episode now. It was actually kind of fun. I was talking to a group of guys um, that I work with. So they've all known me. Like I've been at the fire department now for nine years. And there's a lot of guys who have known me that entire you know span of time. And so whenever I started a podcast, like to them, it's all kind of like a little befuddling. Like it it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, you know, whenever you start defining yourself as something, which I don't know if creating something necessarily means you're defining yourself yeah. by that. Like, like, would you consider yourself primarily a musician? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah Cause that's the main thing I do, I think. And that's what most people know me as, you know. Has it been like that? So I was talking with Aaron Holland, who you mm-hmm. said you met the other night. Yeah. But um, I was talking to her, and have you? Were you like naturally musical, like right off the bat? Um, not so much like in like a musical ability. Like I could pick something and play it. I was interested in music from a young age, but it took a while to actually pick up an instrument. Oh, oh wait, 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 I'm jumping ahead of myself. Gotta do the announcements first. <laughs> Gotta do the announcements real quick. All right. Panhandle podcast meetup is tentatively dated for February 3rd, 2018. So I'm doing this like not for my podcast, like it's just a Panhandle podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, around any other podcast, like people like, do you listen to any podcasts? Um, not recently, I haven't. No? I've, heard, I've heard some of yours. Oh, yeah? Uh, I listened to the one you did with Tim Ingalls. Nice. Heard, the first one or the second one? Oh, I didn't know you did two of yeah, them. Yeah, I did oh, two okay. of them. Uh, yeah, I heard one of them. We recorded one in Palace in the little uh, that little meeting area, yeah. you know, in the middle. Yeah. Just because I wanted to test out and see what the sound was. Because sometimes, I mean, that's the thing is I don't have a studio. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of, it would be nice to be able to say to, to somebody, hey, meet me here at this Palace, this coffee shop, and we'll do a little recording. But the sound was a little high in there, and uh, so... I don't know. I don't know if I'll be using that space again, but it was fun. Yeah. But yeah, so I interviewed him first at his office in his office and then second <laughs> up there. But yeah, he was fun. That So Aaron actually suggested him to be a guest and then he actually suggested you to be a guest, which <laughs> nice. it, it was funny because so one of my music filters that I've always had my whole life is my buddy Steve mm-hmm. and he's just naturally musically talented. One of those guys that like he picks something up and can just play it like really quickly yeah. and can't explain to you how he's playing it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just always frustrating as hell. But uh, he always got into, I've already told this story on the podcast like twice, but <laughs> I'll tell it again for you. So he uh, would get on like these random independent music websites that he would like get music through. Mm-hmm. And one day he sent me your uh, seven years, what was it called? Seven, seven years, years late, late yeah. video. So he sends me that and he's like, do you know this kid? Cause he saw it on this, you know, indie music website or something. And he saw Amarillo. And he knew I lived in Amarillo. So he was just like, oh, yeah, I assume they know each other because it's a small town. Yeah. Which is not a bad assumption, actually. Like, yeah. Amarillo truly is a pretty small place. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest small town or it's the smallest big town. Mm-hmm. I haven't decided which one, but it's one of those yeah. two. And you've lived here your whole life? Yes. See, I split my time between growing up here till I was eight. And growing up in North Carolina, oh really? So I have a little bit of a split, per, like split perspective, you know. Yeah. But I'm mostly an Amarillo boy, okay. you know. I just grew up um, here. But anyway, I'm tentatively shooting for February third, two thousand eighteen, for the Panhandle Podcast Meetup, and that's just to get together and talk about whatever podcast you listen to, or 
it's it seems like anytime I meet somebody, they say like I've listened to these four podcasts. I've never even heard of them. Yeah. But then you look into them, and they're these super popular podcasts that you never hear about, just because it's really hard for those communities sometimes to yeah. spill over. Anyway. The uh, Colfax Half Marathon, I'm trying to put like a team together. Do you do much running? I don't do much running. No. <laughs> I uh, I was reading an interview you did. I can't even remember which website it was on. But at the end of it, it had like pulled out as a quote, uh, take more walks mm-hmm. or something. You know, like yeah. you said, like peop- I just wish people would take more walks or yeah. I think people would be good for them. And I was sitting there thinking like, I agree 100% the same way. Like I do a lot of runs from here and... Uh, it is. You see a different perspective of your environment when you get around and you walk around it. You know, you might think a street is a bad street. And then you walk down and you're like, yeah. it's not a bad street. It's just a normal street. You know, yeah. normal people around here. Yeah. So, uh, getting out and about. Yeah. And I, I, I am obsessed with, with walking. I don't run, but I like walking mm. one. Especially, I just like to put my headphones in and just go walk for two hours. Really? Yeah. It's one of my, probably one of my most... Inspir- like I get a, a lot of inspiration from doing that. So like when you put your headphones in, are you listening to music? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, just kind of get, uh, I don't know, you can kind of absorb in everything and just feel like, you know, makes you, putting in music sometimes too makes you feel kind of invisible. Yeah. You can't hear oh, the sounds yeah. or anything. You're just looking at everything and you kind of go somewhere else, you know. Well, and seeing like the, the areas where that's socially acceptable to do. Like, I guess it's starting to get a little bit more socially acceptable to, like, walk around with headphones in, like, at a supermarket or something. Mm-hmm. But if you're just out walking, you know, down the street and you have headphones in, it's like, oh, yeah, he's just, he's listening, he's doing his own thing, you know. It's like, uh, seems like an appropriate place to listen. But there's not very many times like that, though, you know, where you just can throw in some music and, like, really get into your own head, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, okay, so that was, anyway, so I'm doing a race. Uh, half marathon, Colfax in Denver. Me and my wife are doing it anyway. Uh, my wife and I. See, I I never make that mistake until I'm not thinking. You know. <laughs> anyway, my my wife and I are gonna we're gonna do it anyway. And uh, so I think I'm gonna try to put like a little like like somehow this community like the pan, uh, Panhandle podcast. You know, Panhandle yeah. Primate podcast community just gonna meet up and run it. Yeah, I'm gonna try to make shirts or something. I don't know. Awesome. But anyway, so that's May 18th. If just people want to start planning on that, and then reach out to me on my social uh, or like my Instagram or my Facebook or uh, that's that's it really. That's the world. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook. So anyway, uh, to today's guest, Hayden Pedigo. We've already actually touched on a couple of the things that I was wanting to to talk to you about. But how would you say you got started making music? Um, I think it mainly started just because my mom would play a bunch of music in the car or whatever when I was younger. And uh, I was always drawn to the sound of the guitar even before I owned one. Or What kind of music was that? Uh, She was like older stuff like Van Morrison and Santana. Like a lot of classic stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Santana was probably my introduction to guitar, you Mm. know, where I was like, like, I don't know how it's making that sound but i want to make that sound yeah. you know and i was probably about 10 or 11 then and didn't even own a guitar but by the time i was around 12 i convinced my parents to get me one and they let me do guitar lessons. how did you convince them like what was that process was it like um like i'll i'll, I'll practice i promise yeah. you know is it like that kind of thing? yeah it was like that and i think they could see that i was obsessed enough with it because i mean there's a certain point where that was all i would talk about was, was that so i think they realized mm-hmm. 
Uh, we should probably let them learn how to play guitar. And so did you just go with a straight acoustic, like, starting off? Um, yeah, starting off I did acoustic. I didn't get a, a electric immediately. That took a while to, yeah. to get an electric guitar. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So was it, uh, what age, so 12 mm-hmm. to what age were you just, like, strictly, like, were you taking lessons during that yeah, time? Yeah, probably from the ages of, like, 12 to 14, I was, I took guitar lessons and then, then I just learned as much as I could and then quit and just started practicing what, whatever I thought sounded good. Right. So are you, are you thinking music theory? No, I, I mean, I didn't really know anything music theory wise, you know, like I knew a couple of like chord names, but I mean, as advanced as I would get as reading tabs, you know, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to read music. I couldn't, I couldn't really do any of that. Okay. And I, I attempted to take some classes when I was 16 to uh, learn that type of thing, like music theory and reading, reading music. And mm-hmm. I made it like four weeks and was like, this isn't for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I was like, this is making music so boring. Yeah. Me, yeah. You know? Interesting. See, I got, uh, do you know Sean McCullough by any chance? Mm-hmm. He was a, one of my buddies, um, knew him from high school. And then, uh. Anytime you hear a bang like that, I'm yeah. always like, is there going to be a cry after that? My kid's in the other room. Anyway, um, he would always like, he was a, a pretty good drummer, like a pretty amazing drummer. And uh, he would drum and then he would like try to play in two times, like mm-hmm. one with uh, his right hand and one with his left hand. And it was like too high level thinking for me. Like I couldn't, cause he was counting, you know, like he was all, he was all music theory and that side. And I couldn't ever keep up with him ever. Like yeah. I was like, but it's almost like a feeling. That's how he describes it. Yeah. Is he's like, he can, he plays with these times cause he's a drummer yeah. and, and he plays with them, but he's feeling it, yeah. you know? Uh, and I had another, my buddy, Steve, that's how he described it. It was like feeling the like what was supposed to be next yeah and playing from that spot not i don't know if i've ever like to me that's where music theory and artistry maybe like kind of start to change i yeah. don't know i don't know you yeah. probably have a better way better more valid opinion i mean i probably don't just because <laughs> I, I like i've never really gotten the concept of reading music and and mm. that i mean it's like i don't even really use a tuner when I tune my guitar, I just tune it by ear. Yeah. And I heard you say something like that, that you have to, you have to go note or like string by string and record that so that you know what, so you can retune your guitar to it or something. Yeah. Because I'll, uh, I play in open tunings that uh-huh. instead of standard on a guitar, it's open tuning where you strum it, it's a chord, but I, I kind of make them up as I go where I'll tune the strings to whatever. And then when I strum it, I'm like, I like the way this sounds. But nine times out of ten, I don't really know what that is. If someone's like, what's your guitar tuned to? If they can tell it's an open tuning, I'm like, I don't know. Right. I don't know what this is open tuned to. Yeah. I just know I liked the sound of it. You know, So I have to record it on my phone, me hitting each string. So then if I have to change a tuning on my guitar, I can go back yeah. and tune it to that. You know. So does that make like like doing a gig or something like really difficult? I would <laughs> yeah, imagine. It makes that would a, be... Yeah, because playing open tuned guitars is already difficult enough because... Each song's usually tuned to something different, so it's not you can just have one guitar up there that you can tune the whole thing. And then if you do, you're if you do have one guitar, you're risking busting the strings, yeah, just tuning it, oh, to, changing it all over. Yeah, you're gonna break, snap on the strings. 
Well, and then you could have like a road crew, like a roadie that's like <laughs> tuning it in the back. But that'd be yeah. such a hard ass. Like, I feel like being a road, like these road guys that are mm-hmm. setting up all these musical instruments and pretty complex, like electronical or electrical, like wirings and shit, getting all these amps and stuff together yeah. and everything functioning. And then they're like tuning guitars in between sets and yeah. changing strings out and doing all this stuff. Yeah, it's, being a having like a tech, you have to be a pretty big musician. If yeah, you have a tech. Be but you songs. almost have to if you're playing all these different songs and different tunings. Yeah, you almost have to have somebody back there that's like running your guitars and making sure you got yeah. string. You know. Yeah, I mean that's honestly why. When I play live, I rarely ever play stuff that's on previous albums because it's just like a. For one, I don't like replaying old stuff, and two, mm-hmm. sometimes it's too much a pain in the pain in the ass to retune all of it and uh, try doing it again. Which is yeah. sad because there's some songs in my albums that I don't even know how to play anymore because I just yeah. open tune and played it, record it, tunings got changed. I didn't remember what the tuning was. If I did, I didn't know how to go back and play that. Yeah, so it's like it's kind yeah. of it's kind of a dumb way of doing things. It's like that, a snapshot though. Yeah. Like it it catches you musically how you are like right at that moment and then it almost can't even be recreated. You yeah. Know? Like it's, it's like it's a one off, you know? Yeah. Like that's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah, I mean it's cool, but then it also does kind of suck. You're like, oh that kind of you know, it makes it hard to revisit things. Mm-hmm. But maybe that keeps me where I uh keep going on to different stuff so yeah. i don't go back which that is one uh one thing that's interesting to me is like you have i i wouldn't describe it as like a traditional like flair mm-hmm. maybe it is a traditional like oh almost a way throwback traditional flair yeah but then it's like experimental in a different direction you know almost like a like a culturally it'd be relevant to say like a steampunk you yeah. know like so you're you're idolizing some of these sounds and these movements mm-hmm. but you're like projecting it forward yeah. like into like an experimental realm and like so what what drives you instead of like somebody mm-hmm. who's as musically talented as you you could just like pick up a six string get a three piece and crank out like quote unquote normal music you know what i'm saying yeah like so what drives you towards that style um i mean i i haven't played in a whole lot of bands like maybe a couple but i've always kind of worked better by myself mm-hmm. and i'm super i don't know hard on myself in terms of what i think like worthwhile to even put out you know because i personally i don't even i'm not a very confident guitar player so I feel like I mix in a bunch of other things to flush it out. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm the type where I feel like if I just pick up a guitar somewhere, if someone hands me a six string as I hear play some music for us, I, I never really feel like I can like play something that mm. I think will sound all that great, you know? So it's yeah. like, I, I feel like I have to be like, put myself in a certain place to play something that I think's decent, you know? Cause I, I make it as hard as I can because I open tune them. I use finger picks. I Stuff that's, if I don't have it on me, you know, it's hard to just pick up a guitar yeah. and go, oh, I'm going to play some, you know. Because you know some guys that they can just pick up a guitar and do their thing and it, it sounds really decent off the bat. Do you know David Boaz by any chance? Is he local? He was local. Mm-hmm. Now he's living down south somewhere. Right. I don't recognize him. But he uh, he was a saxophone player, mm-hmm. and I just met him kind of through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. Ended up becoming pretty good friends with him. But that kid could pick up anything, mm-hmm. and it was just like you could just hand him something, and say, "Here, play me something," and he's like, doo, 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 
Yeah. And then he's like playing you the office theme song, or he's like just bust something out, and you're like, how did? Yeah. Which his dad was a music teacher, and taught you know theory and all this stuff, but Boat like David never got that. Yeah. So he just plays completely by ear. Yeah. You know, and that's why I like the saxophone so much and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, damn, what was I going with that? Anyway, he just. He was. I don't even know where I was going with that. David well, Bonas, but huh. well, I mean, like what you're saying though, like uh, I, I definitely don't have that ability where I can just mm. crank something out, like a born bat. entertainer kind of like, yeah, like hey, do a song and dance, and they jump up on the table like da 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 da, da yeah. you know, and entertain yeah. everybody like right off the bat. Yeah, and I've never, I've never had that ability. Mm. You know, it's just like I, I, I really have to practice to feel like I'm able to even really play guitar that well. Yeah, yeah. You know. Interesting. So do you have like like seasons of your guitar playing? Do you feel like like do you gear up like, okay, I'm about to do an album. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna gear up, I'm gonna work really hard for a little while and, yeah. and get like that in that mindset or something? Or yeah, because I, I just finished a new one mm-hmm. about a month and a half ago. Greetings from Amarillo? Well, this is right? the one after that. Oh, this there's is, a new one? There's a new one that's done. Really? Yeah, a new one that I finished like a month ago. Wow. Yeah, so... <laughs> so have I, you released that one? No, it's not Okay, out. okay. Yeah, so you just... So you've been working on this project for... Probably about two months. Okay. It's about two months. Oh, really? I just finished it. Because that's kind of how I tend to work is I set up... And uh, just for about two weeks, just start cutting some stuff, and then I go through everything and assemble an album. Nice out of it. So yeah, this is this is a new one yet yet to be released. Wow. So do you enjoy that whole process of like producing? No, no. That's like it's like a struggle, and yeah, it's not easy, and it's frustrating, and uh, writing music is like the hardest stuff. Like it's just like it's really frustrating to you know do something I uh, I like. I guess, you know, so I, yeah. it's not effortless to me. So, so like when you're, when you say writing, like if, if you're working on a piece, mm-hmm. are you writing notes to yourself? No, I, I guess, I guess that's not the correct term. I guess mentally composing something. So, so you're just like, you like start working out a piece mm-hmm. and then you, you kind of complete a section of it and mm-hmm. then you work on another section and you just remember that first section. Yeah. Like you, you don't ever like organize it in a, in yeah. a I might sometimes way. record like a rough version sometimes, but most of the time it's, there's like a certain theme I'm building around mm-hmm. that I just kind of add on, add on until I have like a whole, a whole thing. And then I just kind of frame it out in my head, like this part, this part, this part, this part. And then uh, record it, do like seven takes of it. And then by the end, if I have a clean take, I'm like, okay, that's the song. So nice. sometimes the song kind of uh, comes together in a weirder way because it's just kind of like slowly, it's almost like building with Legos. Yeah. Sometimes you're not sure what you're going to build, but you're just clicking the little parts together. Right. And, you know, and seeing what you what you come up with. So, so like about half of the, the track seems to be synth synths or, or what like what, yeah, do you, what do you play I, in there like I, what? I'll, I'll use synthesizers or guitars run through the pedals and oh, okay like weird shit like that or little tape little tape players yeah where i'll like sample like a one second thing off the tape and run it through stuff and mess with it and distort it and do all that so nice. and, and i mean i don't even use nice recording software it's all just a laptop, a microphone, and like a guitar amp. So it's not, yeah. it's just kind of like, maybe it's pretty like archaic, like 
the way I do it. And uh, like, I could do it in better ways, but I don't know. I think I've gotten so comfortable with this system and the setup that I've been like, using. Like, I imagine a guy like you has options, right? Like, you, you have like studios that you could probably go in that are like. Well, I have friends that have studios, and it's been brought up like, hey, we should try doing one in a studio. But I've never recorded in a studio. Like, I've never done that. It's always been in my house or my apartment. Nice. Or friends, like, used to the way I did for, like, the first, I mean, well, actually, probably the last three albums with my friend Alex uh, Fairbanks has, like, a little recorder, a microphone and I would go to his house or my apartment when I lived there and he would set up the mic in the living room where I would sit with the guitar. He'd run the cable on under the door into the next room, shut the door, be in that room with headphones on tweaking the audio. Oh. So he was like mix, like getting the levels right while I'm playing wow. in the other room through the door. So it was yeah. like, it was pretty rough it, it definitely was not the most professional way to record There's which no... one was that which cd was that? uh well that the first one i did the very first album i ever did was on garage band when i still lived with my parents because uh-huh. i was like 17 18 when i did that stuff the second album was in my apartment and that's how we did the setup with the microphone and under yeah, the door okay. and then even greetings from amarillo amarillo we did that same exact thing at his house where we just set up in a room run the cables under a door he's in the other yeah. room with headphones on wow and he's <laughs> just mixing it right there yeah just kinda... making sure there's no feedback or anything weird with the mic and i'm just you know he'll just be like okay i'm we're going and then just kind of wait a few seconds and start playing nice so it's it's a very very rough way to make an album yeah you know so this is one of my things i've always wondered is like take a guy like Jimi hendrix mm-hmm. right and imagine yeah. you transport Jimi hendrix from what i guess he would have been a kid in like 1950s yeah right you know yeah and like you transport that same kid who mm-hmm. was playing a right-handed guitar left you know and yeah. just you know who knows how it was hard it was for him to like produce a sound you know yeah and then you put them in a spot like this where it's like mics, laptops are pretty cheap. Like you, yeah. you know, I wonder what a guy like that would have been creating given yeah. the present day technology or if uh, maybe it'd just be the exact same and he'd be doing the same thing. Yeah. Though. Well, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like taking that template, you kind of have to look at, uh, have you heard of Steve Lacey? Have you heard of? heard of him no maybe through you do you, have you talked about him in interview i don't think i've talked about i don't think no. i've talked about him in interviews before but he's i think he's like a recent high school graduate um this kid that's part of this group called the internet which was a offshoot of odd future with tyler the creator and all that oh but really? he uh makes like really kind of garagey low fidelity like soul music but all of it's done off an iphone he makes all of it off an oh, iPhone. Oh shit! I feel like I saw this guy yeah. on a uh, maybe was it Vice or, or like something? an Up Rocks video or something. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those. Okay, where... and it shows him like sitting in a high dollar studio, studio. with all this shit, and he's got his iPhone, iPhone. Uh, yeah. and he sings into a little spit shield into the yeah, holds it. And yeah, yeah. I feel like referencing what would Jimi Hendrix be doing? Oh. Like, look at the kid now with the with that damn iPhone. Mm. You know, making songs that actually sound really, really good. And he's like, oh, I don't really want to do studio. Sometimes the simplicity of the setup can be an inspiration unto itself because yeah. it's less distraction. It's yeah. just all right there. Well, and see, like that's that's the thing is um, one of the things I've noticed. I've been trying to do a little bit of writing, mm-hmm. and one of the things I've noticed is like there's a t- 
time when it's super easy. Yeah. Like it's super easy to like knock out a couple of pages mm-hmm. where you're not even really going back and doing that much editing. And I feel like it's the same thing for like playing music. Like there's times when it's just it flows like super easily out and you don't make any mistakes and it just goes first. It's like a first take, just one off, just boom, you slay it. You walk out. It's like, that's the album cut right there. You know, we're done. And other times you have to like force it and fight it and try to like figure out like what the creative edge is or, or something like that. And it's, that's, what's interesting is like, if you can just record it on your iPhone, Mm -hmm. the second you're feeling it, even if you're only feeling it for 10 minutes, you capture it right then and you're done with it. You know, like it is, it is wild. It's low stress. It's not like you have to set up all these cables, test all the mics, get everything dialed in. By the time you're all set up, you're, you're burnt out. Yeah. Cause I mean, I definitely know that where it's like, sometimes you'll record and it's, it feels almost effortless now. Every time you do it, and it just kicks your ass. Where you're like, "Do I even know how to play this? Yeah, this instrument? That's crazy. You know, it's cool, man. And then, and then something comes together that you're proud of, and you put it out there, and people. It seems like you get a pretty good response. Yeah, I've been uh, definitely lucky to you know because it's not. I don't feel like it's music that's com- like whatever do well commercially. Especially, I still think there's somewhat of a bias against instrumental music like i've played shows mm. here and people will be like do you sing what are you gonna sing mm. it's just like it's like it's still is that the name of one of your albums it was i, I put sing, there or? was a little tape i did of like stuff i did when i was like 16 that was called do you sing volume one which yeah. is a joke on that because i just got asked that so many times where it's like yeah. does it sound like i need to be singing over yeah. these because i don't hear singing on any of this right that's you know? interesting it is like a bias you know like you're right it like people almost want to be told something yeah. instead of having to like create it themselves or like verbalize it themselves. I don't exactly know, but yeah, yeah, that is interesting, man. Uh, instrumental music, which is like one of that's I guess kind of part of the question. Have you ever felt compelled to write any like lyrical stuff? Not yet. I haven't felt. I haven't like picked it up and tried. You know, I, I think if it ever does, I'll know. But uh, right now, I have not felt that yeah. calling yeah at all. well i completely understand too like if i if i sit down and try to play music or something i'm not compelled to sing yeah. you know some people it's like dude my voice isn't there you know for yeah. that but uh and that's how like my my buddy steve <laughs> he was a really good guitar player but he didn't ever sing you yeah. know he didn't ever really want to sing and so people were always, were always like well you can play the guitar but can you sing like, yeah it's like I'm like, dude, did you hear him play the guitar? That shit is sick, you know? I mean, he was really good. and But it's almost like, you're right, like there's like a bias or like a prestige almost to like singing over the music. Yeah, and I think it, I think having lyrics makes it easier for people to know how to feel. Because I feel like if a song sings about a certain theme, people attach to it easier. Because mm. instrumental music, I feel sometimes requires you to come up with your own narrative because it doesn't really tell you what it's about unless the song title is super descriptive they're more open open to an interpretation and they they can attach easier to things that's so why I've, do you do thinking like when you're naming your songs like i've noticed like your your the names of your song mm-hmm. do kind of like phrase the music that then follows you yeah know? which is tough because even this new album i've, I've finished none of them are titled yet it's just like I record them and it's just like then I'll sit down and be mm. like, oh, what do, what do I want to call this? What do I want to call that? You know, because it's kind of tough to tough to name them. But I think 
that's why uh, film scores, you know, nine times out of ten when someone's composing a film score, they're not going to have vocals on it because it needs to attach to the story. Mm. So uh, the music I make is like music for films, but the uh, films haven't been made yet. Ooh, you know, interesting. But, that's deep. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brian Eno, who's like a ambient composer, he's, you know, he's a legend, had an album called Music for Films, but none of the there was no films the songs went mm-hmm. to. They don't. But in his idea, there was like music for a bunch of unmade films. Do you, have you ever listened to Counting Crows? Do you go through a Counting Crows phase? I've never listened to them. Oh, yeah. damn! <laughs> I've never listened to them. All right, that would have made what I was saying a little bit more <laughs> valid. But they have a. They actually have a. I think I can't remember if the album is called Songs About, uh, maybe Songs About Ghosts or something. Mm-hmm. But they they touch on like film and talk like they kind of they're really imagery based. Yeah. So like whenever you listen to it, they're almost like telling you as you know you're seeing a scene. Yeah. Not necessarily feeling their feelings. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense, but I've always thought about that with like count, uh, counting crows specifically. But it is cool when you hear like so like for instance, a lot of well, obviously a lot of people have said that your songs do invoke a feeling of Amarillo. Yeah. So like if if I were to try to describe to somebody uh, how being in Amarillo is, I could play them one of your songs and like, okay, just imagine this song yeah. with about 30 miles an hour like wind blowing in your face. Yeah. Like that's Amarillo for yeah. you, you know? Like you kind of capture that. So how much would you say your surroundings are like part of your music you know uh, i would i would say for most of the stuff i've ever done it's huge just because like i was talking to someone the other day how i noticed some of the best ambient musicians and acts have come from texas like everyone from stars of the lid are a really big ambient duo and they're from austin william Bazinski, who's a big ambient icon was from houston um the dead texan there's a bunch of ambient acts and it made me realize that you know like I think Texas being so flat and sprawling has mm. influenced a lot of that kind of music because it's so barren that it you tend to make music that sounds more infinite and you know a bigger audio landscape kind of like what those guys have done but i noticed there's a correlation between all these people were from Texas and I was yeah. like maybe well and to put to put that in context for some of the listeners I regularly drive down to see my in-laws who are close. They live mm-hmm. pretty close in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. It's like a five and a half hour drive. Yeah. And that's like nothing. Like that's just like a common, like you're just like, yeah, it's five and a half hours. That's, but got buddies that live in North Carolina and like a 30, 40 minute drive is a long time. You know, yeah. it's a long drive or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, five hours, you're out of the state. You know, you're yeah. in like a completely different state. Here yeah. you can drive like 20 hours and still be in Texas. Texas. Straight line, you know? Yeah. And it does, it man, like the the vastness, like when people when people say that, it's difficult because whenever you travel between places, you're in a car. Yeah. You know, you're not thinking about how much land and just mass is passing past you. You are, there's nothing here. Yeah, The population density... Is pretty low. Yeah. Texas comparatively, you know, yeah. sprawling, you know, it is interesting. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that aspect has definitely been in my music. And I mean, when I first started out, I was still living with my parents and lived more out in the country. And it was... Uh, now, is this so, Tascosa Hills? No, right? this was like out in the, kind of like the Rolling Hills area, kind of okay. out there. It was. Pretty... I noticed in your uh, Seven Years Late video, mm-hmm. 
my cousin grew up like right there that hill you're walking up you yeah. know during it he grew up like his house like you almost could see it you know? oh really yeah, yeah yeah and i so whenever i saw that i spent a lot of time there whenever i was a kid growing up and you know yeah. different times his parents still live out there but uh, yeah i was like oh damn it's kind of crazy to see like a, a well put together little video like a little snippet with some like badass music and then it's like Amarillo. It's like a place I grew up. I remember shooting fireworks on that street. You yeah. Know? It's kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, th- that's definitely a, a part of it. I didn't grow up in that exact spot, but I mean, that that landscape has definitely been influential. It's funny, like looking back, that video to me is like like almost embarrassing. Like Really? Like, yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, so long ago. Kind yeah. Of. It feels like a long time ago, you know, because... That, that I was still a teenager when I did that. Cause I'm well, and it's now. it's kind of like the old Justin Bieber thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the kid got the kid got famous mm-hmm. uh, back before he was ready to be famous. Yeah. So it's like if you had to put me, if I'd have been famous when I was twelve years old, yeah. Everybody'd think Dexter's a dumbass. We <laughs> got the twelve year old Dexter, you know. Yeah. He, like, he, nobody he, wants the twelve year old Dexter. Yeah. He's like, got with the ding. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, well, you, yeah, you don't know what you want yet. Yeah, and then, so, and then a guy like you, like, I definitely saw some stuff written up on you saying, like, prodigy. Yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. guitar prodigy, yeah. you know, like, musical prodigy and all this stuff. Yeah. So, whenever, like, I've always wondered, that's always been something I've been interested in, is, like, how do you age? Like, yeah. with, uh, I wouldn't say fame, you know, but with like with a snapshot of you, yeah, like that's that people have, like people know, people see when they look up Hayden Pedigo, the first thing they see is a video, like all the stuff. I was trying to like get like new stuff, yeah, like I was trying, to, and all of it was you know four, you know three years old because it's the high views, it's yeah. the ones that so it's the ones that have been up there a yeah, long time, the and so I'm seeing them and I'm like. I'm like, okay, you know, this is, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Like, you know, you change and I can't imagine how much you've probably changed since that yeah, video. A you lo- know? Yeah, a lot of things have changed, you know. And I mean, it's, uh, I, I definitely think like it's really, in hindsight, it's not all that bad. You know, like, like I don't completely dislike that older music I did, but it is kind of odd when you feel like things change. But there are like a Snapchat or a snapshot of uh you when you were younger yeah you know? oh yeah yeah and and like that's one of the things that's really fun about facebook mm-hmm. is you get these like new like uh it'll show you memories oh like, yeah pop up. four years ago and it's today. like oh my gosh who <laughs> is that kid you know like you see yourself pop up and it's like yeah i knew nothing i knew nothing yeah. you know like it's so fun like it's fun and frustrating at the same time and then it always gives you it's funny it gives you the option Share it, <laughs> or, or just yeah. move on. Yeah, it's like, do you want to show this to all of your friends? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, I never, I never saw this. I'm like, yeah, I'm not sharing this. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny, man. Because, like, imagine, imagine if like your parents had the same thing. So like right now your dad has like or like my dad or your dad <laughs> forty had, yeah forty five years, years ago, ago this was you and it's like Dude. you taking some you know a <laughs> selfie or you know who knows yeah. what but you're just like God I was just such a kid back yeah. then you know it's it's a lot so weirder different. when you have this whole thing archived it's oh just like, dude it's like a big archive of your life <laughs> yeah yeah well and for you it's your work like yeah. which 
I think that's always been what separates the like the art artists in class mm-hmm. from from like a common man from just like a welder or something is like you have a span of work that yeah. people then judge you by versus yeah. like oh you good worker you show up every day whatever you yeah. know it's like instead they're like well you know the guitar sounded a little out of tune in this live <laughs> yeah. youtube it, taken on a camera phone you know like yeah. i don't know if he's you know it it's is like kind people of... are always gonna remember that you know yeah like that's gonna be there forever well and, and Oh, dude, it's so funny living with a little human because they just occasionally they just throw these fits. And it's like, that's that's something that every adult feels, yeah. but they never let out. They never do. It. <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah, like, no, it, no. it's internal, but you don't do yeah. it. <laughs> you just don't like project it out into the world. But a little kid, man, they don't give a damn. They will project it, you know? Yeah. It's super funny. Yeah. Oh, shit. I kind of lost my train of thought with that. <laughs> Oh man, so I got. Uh, how are you doing on beer? You out? Um, yeah. I, I Do you want a beer? You want another beer? I'll take another one. All right, we're gonna pause this sucker for a second. <laughs> a long December. There's reason to believe Maybe this year will be better than the last I can't remember The last thing that you said as you were leaving All the days go by so fast And it's one more day up in the canyon it's one more night in Hollywood If you think that I could be forgiven I wish you would
guess the winter makes you laugh a little slower Makes you talk a little lower About the things you could not show her And it's been a long December And there's reason to believe Maybe this year will be better than the last Times I tried to tell myself to hold on to these moments as they pass, and it's one more day up in the canyon, and it's one more night in Hollywood. So long since I seen the ocean I guess I should enjoyed that tune i just decided during that break that we were going to play uh a counting crows song so whichever one i end up choosing to play there i don't even know which one i'm playing but it'll be one of their songs so anyway we're coming back from that though um so let's see here what we were talking what were we talking about do you remember i kind of um, we talked about a lot of stuff in the meantime like yeah, while we were getting beers we, we were talking about a lot of stuff so uh yeah i kind of forget I forgot where we, we covered off. some. Uh, my kid and my wife are watching Jimmy Neutron. She's trying to put him to sleep right now, so we got to talking about Nickelodeon. That th- that always throws me for a loop, dude. <laughs> Anytime I go down the Nickelodeon, like yeah. because that's one of those generational things that almost will probably define an era. Like yeah. being a Nickelodeon kid in the nineties. Yeah, it's a very specific. And if you think about it, it's like it's homogeneous. Like I've yeah. been I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Is like. There are a lot of things that make Amarillo different, yeah. but there's a lot of things that make our entire generation different. Exact, well, exactly the exactly the same. Like you watched Nickelodeon growing up, and I watched Nickelodeon growing up. Yeah. So, but they're could, probably that's the thing. They're probably our Nickelodeons are a little different because I was born in '94, so I wasn't an, exactly ooh, a '90s Nickelodeon. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was a like. Like the Fairly Odd Parents and mm. Jimmy Neutron stuff like that's, that. Yeah, that's right. That's where my wife is too. Yeah, it was around there. But even though, even though I watch that, my dad still would buy us DVDs of like the Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh, which is dude, that's the yes. greatest. That's the greatest Nickelodeon show. Yeah, ever made, that was so. a pretty amazing. 
Oh my gosh, and Ren and Stimpy yeah. was on there all yeah, the time. Like Angry and Beavers. Angry and Beavers. Rugrats. And, and, yeah, did you ever hear of Camp Onawana? Um, I, I've heard it. I've never seen it. Yeah. Oh, man. There's this video, and all everybody who knows Camp Onawana will know this video, where they like had this capture the flag game, mm-hmm. but they had this uh, little bag. Each of them had like water balloon bag. And I guess if you got hit with a water balloon, you're out of the game. So yeah. it's like they're warring, kind mm-hmm. of. And I don't even remember what the point of the show was. I just always remember like thinking like, oh, that'd be so fun to play that game. They yeah. got me on like, they got me on premise. Like I didn't even watch any of the show. They <laughs> got like, me oh. on premise. I'm like, that's <laughs> awesome premise, you know? <laughs> well, it's like the other day my wife brought up, she's like, do you remember the face on Nick Jr.? Like mm. And I was like, yeah, it's like that was something like you oh, go to your grandma's damn. house and turn the TV in the in the face, face. <laughs> it was on there. It was like face here. Dude, the 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 TV was talking to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, pretty. That's pretty. Like it could be really dark. Oh yeah, it's well, really people, close. Th- uh, that's one of the things. Like we always want to say, like, oh, what the kids are watching now. Yeah, that's really gonna screw them up. Yeah, it's like okay. Did you see what they were? What we were seeing? We had the TV. Was- we had the TV talking. Do yeah. you remember Mister Stickley? Stick stickly. Mm-mm. So during the summer, Nickelodeon would like change over their program and they mm-hmm. programming, and they bring up Stick Stickly, which was like a, a popsicle stick mm-hmm. that had like googly eyes on it, and it would like talk to you and stuff. And yeah. it, I'm just sitting there thinking like, you got this like mm-hmm. little little ball of goo, you know, this like baby brain that's yeah. bringing in everything, and it's like we're gonna have a popsicle stick. Yeah. Talk to the kids, you know. It's yeah. just kind of Even as a kid, I was freaked out when you'd watch Dora, and they would ask you a question, and then just yeah. they would just <laughs> stare. At you like, like that was really uns- looking into my soul. I think like it's that. even more unsettling now when you see that. You're like, oh, the, the, like the, yeah. <laughs> they're pausing for every kid to just scream something. Yeah. The TV. Oh. Yeah, that really weirds me out. Yeah, it, what's crazy is it's probably tricking some some kids, and they kids think, think they can yell at the TV. And yeah, the TV's yeah. gonna do something. Yeah, they think that Dora actually cares about them. Yeah, that's pretty dark. <laughs> that is, but real I dark. do think the era of the of Nick that me and you both experience all of it. I think is pretty iconic. Mm. And I think it's actually. That's the one thing TV, children's TV has lost now is that element of weird melancholy nostalgia mm-hmm. that I think they've completely just written off. Like, oh, Interesting. We we're old Nickelodeon that all has that element of weird nostalgia. Well, it's I mean, the artists, right? I mean, yeah. it's the people who are creating the shows. the shows and stuff. Which, it's like, I still remember the Adventures of Pete and Pete had like one of the most moving episodes ever is if you remember the show, Little Pete had an imaginary friend named Artie, the mm. strongest man in the world. He was this guy that just wore spandex and a striped shirt and apparently was super strong. And he was just a weirdo. And he was always around and the characters always acknowledged him. But there's an episode where Little Pete says bye to Artie. Like out in the street, he's Artie's like, it's my time to go. I need to leave. And Artie runs down the street into the sunset. And you realize, oh, Little Pete's getting older. Oh, damn. And, and he has to go away. And I was like, wow. Like, that's yeah. pretty emotionally gripping where you realize wow. the character's knowing that this isn't real anymore. And Artie's like, hey, you're starting to know that I'm not real anymore. I have to go. Dang. And just runs off and leaves, you know. Whoa. And then they, they did another episode where Lil Pete's gecko dies. So Lil Pete's wanting everyone to know how important this lizard was. So he does, like... He does like a marathon for the lizard. He does like a 24-hour radio broadcast for the lizard. Like no one shows up for any of it. He and then he does a 
an everlasting flame monument where this flame will burn forever to this lizard. And like four people show up and it rains and the flame goes out. And I think Big Pete comes to him and tells him like, you know, like losing someone, the thing that's important is the memories you have of that person. Cause not everyone's going to know who that is, but beyond monuments and marathons and radio things, it's really just the memories you have of that Whoa. person. You're like, yeah, they're talking about deep. a gecko, but it's really like yeah. teach you how to grasp with the death of someone. Even yeah. though it's talking about a lizard, it was actually wow. pretty, pretty brutally written. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Nick it, doesn't do that anymore. No, they don't no. write stuff like that. That kind of still knocks you out when you're like, Whoa, that's pretty intense. Or, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Mm-hmm. Did you remember that? Like, I do remember that. That scared, was pretty creepy. That scared man. the shit out of me. As yeah. A kid. It was creepy. I wouldn't even watch it. Cause goosebumps that, wasn't bad, but goosebumps that, that, that was bad. way that one was way more like dark mm-hmm. <laughs> that one had some dark material it had some dark i can't wait till him it's like a little bit older and i can yeah. start showing him that stuff yeah. and be like look at what my parents showed me whenever i was a kid yeah, yeah. i haven't watched that <laughs> i haven't watched that very goosebumps still funny to watch because it's pretty bad but yeah i haven't watched that since I was yeah a kid. i haven't either maybe i'm too either. traumatized yeah it, there's a possibility that that's the case you know no i was thinking of a pete and pete episode you remember the one where they uh they uh, were talking about how long it took radio signals to travel through mm-hmm. space. Yeah. And it was like, there was a certain time they were tracking like the, one of the World Series. Yeah. And they were like, oh, this World Series is showing right now on Pluto. Yeah. You know, so if yeah. people are there, they're like, it's like, oh, who's going to win? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like little, little Pete, that episode where he's trying to time travel on his bike mm. by going really fast and he thinks that riboflavin which is in like cereal he needs to eat like this certain amount of riboflavin <laughs> and go super fast on his bike that he'll be able to time travel Ooh. but he figures out like he won't like won't be able to do that and the, the there's an episode with big p where he has to go like on a two hour long road trip with his dad and big <laughs> p's like going through like puberty and liking girls and all of this and that's us dude having a disconnect with your parents Ooh. at that age so he comes up with a bunch of uh like trivia cards that are like topic questions oh. so he can like flip through them and have things to talk about with his dad because he doesn't know anymore and i was oh. like that was another great oh. topic because every kid had that experience when they were 14 that they were like i feel weird talking to my parents yeah. about yeah. anything so he has to come up with these like little cue cards to know wow. what to talk about with his dad on a two-hour road trip you know, Damn. So that was that was some great writing. Yeah, dude, it's, that's that's digging deep. It's better. It's better than anything for adults on TV now. Yeah, dude, it is crazy. Like yeah. the, I mean, there is some good stuff. Have you ever watched Mr. Robot? I've not that? watched it. I know oh, Joey shit. Badass is in it. Joey Badass is in it, yeah. man. Yeah, and his character is awesome. Like, really? Yes. It. Well, that's the Mr. Robot does so well is it perfectly cast each character. Yeah, you know, to where like there's enough likability, but also you kind of despise them at the same time yeah. in each character. It's yeah. super. It's super impressive. It's really good. Yeah. Is that you? I think it's mine. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Blowing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but sure let's see, man. Um, I got. So, like, I have here written just Amarillo as a scene. A uh, musical scene or overall scene? Well, so, that's actually kind of one of the things I that I wrote it down for is it's interesting to, to imagine all the different 
scenes of Amarillo, you yeah. know, because like Leftwoods, have you gone there? Maybe? Yes, yeah. I, I've even I've played some shows at Leftwoods yeah. before. See, and it used to be EBGBs before that. Yes, I never went there. My wife did. She was all into the hard hardcore bands. So yeah, yeah. I I, I I was still like homeschooled at the time when all that was kind of like 2009. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't around, so I didn't really know what was going on. But yes, I do. I did know that's what it was before just because of my wife. Well, it was so interesting because like it was like the only kind of live music scene that you could regularly plug into was like really hardcore. And it was just kind of interesting unless you, you know, coffee shops that played some stuff and like... Did you ever remember Scenic River Roots Band? Um, I, I definitely know the name, but I, I didn't get to see them play. Yeah, a lot of those dudes, I think, graduated high school the same time I did. Mm-hmm. So I saw them actually play several times. Mm-hmm. and It was just a super interesting, like, uh, all a lot of kids my age would all go to these shows. Like, they'd mm-hmm. go to fish shows, and they'd go to... Um, they go to fish shows and Grateful Dead shows yeah. and these festivals and like they were like these festival kids. Yeah. Um, in Amarillo, you know, it's just kind of an interesting. But those were almost like the quintessential Amarillo kids. Like whenever yeah. I think about like the scene, like the music scene is, it's always seemed to me like it's not a lack of like, like high level musical talent. Yeah. You know, it's like pretty deep. Like yeah. there's a lot of guys who've got a lot of talent. You know. Yeah. But it almost is underrated i feel like i guess is what i'm saying amarillo's yeah. underrated and like i've just i've described it before i think amarillo's a little tricky just because we don't have a buddy holly you know mm. lubbock has a buddy Holly. it's just like you know a cornerstone to kind of go off of and amarillo has had a few people that you know have done some bigger things uh, but but i i think amarillo's always been a little confused about where it stands you know because amarillo never has really had a like a huge breakout country star, which in this area I think is the one top priority if there mm. were to be something that would take off. And like another uh, person that a lot of people don't know lived here for like a decade was uh, Christopher Owens, who he left and started the band Girls mm. around 2009, which they got huge, you know. And I know a bunch of young kids my age and younger that love that band, you know, and are like, oh, I'm so glad Chris Owens lived here because that. You know, I think that inspires them to know he came from here. But there hasn't been one huge figure like Buddy Holly. Yeah. That's not not against Amarillo, but you really, no one can fight me on that. There's no, we don't have a Buddy Holly, and there never has been one. Yeah. You know? Which is interesting, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's one, it's been my my experience, and I'm curious about yourself. That the people that have been in my life that have been the most musically, like just naturally God-given, musically talented, Mm -hmm. they have no desire to do, like, the music, you know? Like, they do it anytime they want to, but they they don't, like, sit down, grind it out like you were saying, have the times when you're just like, this is terrible, or, you know, like, the grind. They're they're not willing to get into the grind for it, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't like touring at all. I've never tried it, and I don't know if I ever will. Like, I just kind of like to put out records, especially like if it's a vinyl record that feels like core. Yeah, that's to, cool, man. To have that done, and then I don't know, getting right like press and people writing on it to me is like all I've ever been into. Like, maybe it sounds kind of vain, but 
it makes you feel a bit more worthwhile if you're like, okay, people think this is worth something. Yeah. You know, because you're oh, like, yeah. okay, I'll keep doing people think this is worthwhile. Well, see, people always want, like, that's another confusing thing that the internet has, like, given us, mm-hmm. is what is it, what is an audience? Yeah. What does it mean to have an audience? Yeah. Does it mean you have to sit on a stage in front of a group of people and sell tickets? Or can you have a way larger audience through, like you say, like a, somebody writes an article about you, yeah. and then they click over on Spotify, and they mm-hmm. listen to your album, you know? Yeah. And that's enough for me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's cool to have people write and go, hey, your music has really been great for me. I've really enjoyed it. That's cool, especially when I don't know the person. Mm. Like, oh, wow, I, like someone got some enjoyment out mm-hmm. of it's really neat, you know? But I, a lot of the times, though, I just kind of feel like it's... Not really. The music I make, I don't really feel like you can make it big with. That's just the nature of what it is. It's not. Yeah. It's it's just not even really designed for that. I feel like it's designed for a small group of more patient-minded listeners that want to put on a forty-minute album with no lyrics and synthesizers and guitars. That isn't really fast-paced. It's really slow. Do you feel like it? Would you consider it a concept album? Um, maybe like an internal concept that maybe I don't even know the full story behind, but there definitely is themes and I've had people tell me that they can, like I always thought it was kind of weird that they, I've heard, I had a lot of people tell me they hear loneliness in my music and I'm like, I, I, I can see that just because it is so flushed out and quiet and it's not really. There's space. Yeah. Like you, you leave, you leave spots where an uncomfortable person, like musically uncomfortable person, would try to fill that space yeah. up, you know? Yeah. And instead of letting a sound... Like, it takes a lot of confidence to let a sound really flush all the way out yeah. before you start another sound. Yeah. Like, as a musician, I feel like uh, when you start playing with that space, it creates... It almost creates an awareness in, like, the listener of the space as well, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because you don't expect it to be there. Yeah. Like you expect something a little bit more in your face that's a little bit... Yeah, and, and especially rhythm. My music mm-hmm. doesn't have percussion. Rarely, unless I use like a little drum machine or something, it, it doesn't really have a percussion rhythm behind it. And people tend to kind of want that. They kind of want something to have a rhythm too. Mm-hmm. Where mine's more... It just flows melodically, and I feel like it feels more like waves or and wind, especially... <laughs> I, I definitely think that's a, an element of it. See, and I, I feel like that's one of the things that's a really cool homage, I feel like, to this area. Mm-hmm. I like to imagine, like imagine a, like imagine you born, uh, we'll say a grand, thousand years ago, in the Texas Panhandle. Yeah. You know? Growing up with Indians, these crazy wild people or whatever. Yeah. Would you be sitting like in your teepee like plucking on this little like string instrument like like oh i'll play this at the fire tonight you know what i'm saying like i i feel like the people never change in the area it just like you still have the same archetypal like musically talented person or percussions if that's your culture or whatever you know just engaging in that the cultural aspect of music you know And I do, because it it does, I I feel like a lot of the interviews that I've listened to of yours or read have dealt with the fact that you are in such a interesting climate of 
lonely, like of space. Yeah. You know, and then your music encompasses space. Yeah. So if you're thinking of Amarillo, well, you just have space. Well, if you're thinking of love, like if I'm thinking of love as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of space in this, you yeah. know? Like maybe that means somebody's far away, you yeah. know, longing or something. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. And I think people pick up on that because I guess maybe to me it's more normal just because I've always been here. So it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, this is just. I'm just making music where other people are like, oh, I hear this thing specifically in it. And there's been enough people to say it, right? But well, maybe that does come across in the music. And I definitely think the last one I did that Greens from Amarillo one, I think is brighter. Like I actually Yeah, I thought so too. I felt, because I listened to uh, three, right? Mm -hmm. You got like that tape and then you got an album and then Mm -hmm. you got Greens from Amarillo. Yeah. I can't remember what that. Uh, Five Steps is the middle record. Okay, okay. Nice. Yeah. And and then the other one is Do You Sing? Yeah, and that's Volume that's one. not necessarily an album only because it's like a weirdo tape of like unreleased material from mm. when I was still in high school. Right. And they only put out like seventy copies, I think. It was like a little oh. a little one that if people wanted to have some weird rarities. So do you have like a agent? No. No, <laughs> no. me. Yeah, yeah. That right on. Yeah. Nice. Well and I mean that's I it, I it almost feels awkward for me to ask you that question. Like, do you have an agent? Because no one in Amarillo really has an agent. Yeah. Versus, I feel like like a lot of the podcasts I listen to, they're all out of L.A. Yeah. And they all have agents. Yeah. You know, because that's that's what scene they're in or whatever. Yeah. You know, you have you know, I like agent. You know, like, yeah. I don't know. And I mean, I, I it's more to me like I've always kind of done my own thing from my house with my Gmail account. You know, and it's made it kind of easier. Like I can call the shots. But it's made a made it sometimes harder because you have to do all the footwork you know like anytime like in like this past record it was a bit easier because the label i was on driftless um had a pr agent doing some work on it and i had never worked with a pr agent which was kind of it was cool but it was kind of weird just because i was used to getting on gmail and shooting an email to writers going hey this is the story on this record would this be something you're interested in oh yeah you know so you would reach out and get 10 no's for everyone yes you know because you're just like you're at that point you're not very well known you're just out there trying to reach out and see who who you can get a hold of right you know so i mean this past album when there was like a pr agent going oh i talked with someone at npr they're gonna do a premiere for it it was weirder for me because you're it's cool because you're like oh nice that's really cool but it's also kind of a bit weird because like well that's kind of different because you know i've always been the one kind of talking to the people and going out and seeing what I can get. And right, sometimes it's a yeah. little bit more rewarding because you're like, oh, yeah. this is great. Like Your hustle, you're in the grind. Yeah. You're, you're getting it done. Yeah. yeah that's cool. So it was yeah. kind of fun to do that. So it was different this past past record. Have you, you know? ever thought about working with like a, like a graphic designer or an animator on on a film? Like making like kind of like a soundtrack? Well, I, I, I kind of slightly did just on that Greens from Amarillo album. There was a film called Greetings from Amarillo that went along with it. Oh, That okay. was made by uh, Chip Lord. And Chip Lord has a lot of history to Amarillo, even though he's not from here. Chip, he's he started the... He was in the art collective Ant Farm. Yeah, which okay, was, cool. Which was three guys uh, back in the 70s, and Ant Farm did the Cadillac Ranch here. Yeah. So nice. I, I was a big fan of his work, of Chip's work, you know, because he's a pretty highly regarded artist like he's his resume is insane i mean the museum of modern art has his works in it like he's a highly regarded artist and i kind of did my usual thing where it might even seem a little creepy but i wanted to get 
I wanted to collaborate with Chip. So I called the university he retired from and they were like, oh, here's his house phone. So I called his house phone and got his wife there. His wife was like, oh, Chip's out, but here's his cell phone number. So I called that cell phone yeah. number and then got him. And he didn't even know who I was. And I was like, oh, I'm 21. I'm from Amarillo, Texas. Um, and I'm a musician. I want to collaborate with you. And uh, surprisingly, he wasn't like, uh, no. And just he, he, like he didn't hang up on me. He was like, okay. Just asked me a couple of questions and said, well, here's my email. Email me your music so I can check it out. So I emailed him an album and that uh, Texas Monthly article from like 2015 and sent it to him. And he emailed back was like, hey, I think this is a really interesting idea. I'd like to do something with it. So at the end of the summer, close to fall, he flew out to Amarillo with the cameraman, uh, uh, Chris Beavers, I believe is his name. And they filmed a ton of stuff out here. Yeah, I think I I watched a portion of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Because it starts off with y'all standing at the Cadillac Ranch, and yes. it's a drone, drone shot. goes up, yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah. so th- that that was kind of a bit of soundtracking, but then again, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, because the music was done first. Yeah. Where soundtracking typically is you watch the film and While soundtrack, yeah. soundtrack the film. Interesting. Yeah, so it was like reverse soundtracking. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So I've done a little bit, but I would like to do, i definitely like to do more. Well, and I saw you recently performed at Mariposa. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was like, they had like a projector set up in front of you, yeah. like projecting onto you. Yeah. John Rivette, who's a local artist and teacher here, did some visuals. He's taking a lot of pictures that way, right? Where it's like a, mm-hmm. a person and he's projecting an image onto the person and then snaps the picture, right? Um, I don't know if he's done that. I just, it, these were all visuals from Mariposa that he had filmed, like mm-hmm. rainstorms and stuff like that, just mm-hmm. outside. And it was kind of funny to have visuals of outside like where you're like 10 feet away it was yeah. visuals of that stuff and then i was playing Interesting. playing guitar over that nice so when you do those how much of that is improv like improvisation like a live show like that that was improvised it completely yes that was an improvised show where i just pick up the guitar and do a little soundscape and then just kind of build on top of that nice do that and you do a lot of looping mm-hmm. yeah i just have a little loop pedal that just has a volume knob and a little button and you just click it and it loops and you click it and does that and i just kind of like put layers on top of that nice and build on that you know cool yeah that's cool man i wish i could have come to that so what so so my schedule rotates Mm -hmm. so it like just so happens that that night Mm -hmm. that thing that event was uh was on the night I worked, so mm-hmm. I couldn't go to it. Oh, really? So I was kind of bummed mm-hmm. out because so he because he painted it right. John Rivette is that what you said his name yes. was? He like he yeah. like paints those like patterns mm-hmm. right. Yeah, on and, top he, of and stuff. that building I played in, he painted mm. painted the design on it too. Yeah. So is it a gallery? Mm. Um, I guess now yes because they they put up art for that show and um, Matthew Williams has done a lot of work out there too getting the place cleaned up getting it renovated so i think they're wanting to start doing a lot more events right like right. that out there that See, and that so that's kind of whenever i talk about amarillo art scene mm-hmm. or like amarillo scene i kind of mean that like how motivated are you to stay in amarillo for your art um i mean for now i i don't have any plans to leave you know because it's it's been easy to do what I do here, you know, it's been, it's been pretty easy to do. Mm-hmm. Well, see, cause like it, I've talked to several people before and they say, um, 
it's almost like one of those things like, why would I put the work into it? Yeah. If a million people aren't going to listen to it. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking like, why do you want a million people listening? Like, yeah. who, how can a million people get what you're doing? I feel like that logic only really applies to someone's wanting to be like a damn like, uh, like Instagram comedian or like sure. a Jay Z or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, like, does that even really apply to what you do at yeah, all? Like, yeah, yeah. Doesn't really work for that anyway. It is interesting because, like, once you settle, like, when okay, it's so like for me, it was like settling into which, granted, I never really wanted to be like famous. I've never had like aspirations to be famous, <laughs> but then when you start realizing, man, like, like for instance, this audience size, I have no idea really what the audience size is, but I'd be like ecstatic if it hit a hundred yeah like if it hit a hundred i'd be like oh shit i'm doing something like i'm yeah. doing it like that's my level for happiness or whatever yeah. i don't expect it to go beyond that yeah and then so for for me it's so funny when people are like oh well why would you do it if you're not reaching a hundred thousand people or making money off yeah. of it or like these different things it's it's pretty damn rare to make something that relates to a hundred thousand people mm -hmm. and if it does relate to a hundred thousand people then i mean it's pretty general because i mean i mean not a whole lot of people all agree on the same things and get right. into the same things you yeah know? it is interesting you know so do you mostly listen to ambient music um yes and no i mean i I do listen to quite a bit of different stuff, but I do recently I've been enjoying music that is more quiet and lonely and eerie. Like, you know, kind of like, like there's a, there's a girl named Liz Harris who goes by the name of a uh, grouper. And I've recently been getting really into her stuff, which I've always heard of her and I, I just never really got into it. But uh, the music's all very, hushed it's she sings really quiet it's almost hard to even tell what she's saying mm. and it's murky because there's like t it's recorded on tape and there's drones but she's just strumming a guitar really slowly and singing like this far away from the mic and it sounds yeah. like somebody 10 feet away from you singing huh. and there's something about that feels so alien but so human i guess where yeah. it's relatable but that that's the stuff that's really been getting to me recently is just stuff like that that it feels loner-ish huh you know, that's the best stuff is the, the weird loners that make the the odd albums that would only appeal to a certain group of people yeah you know? yeah i mean sometimes that's just really the best stuff that can get to your core right yeah you know? yeah it's it it's interesting man because like i would say like for me like i'm actually in the complete opposite direction right now like mm -hmm. Typically, when I go out and run and stuff, I'm listening to, like, rap. Yeah. You know, like, I'm listening to, like, Mick Jenkins or uh, Isaiah Rashad mm -hmm. or, like, there's a couple other dudes, Lupe Fiasco or something. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, overly invasive. Yeah. Like, it's, like, they really tell you a lot. Like, it's, like, let me tell you about me. Yeah. And then they, poof, and they, yeah. like, lay this thing out and somehow I can relate to it or I'm, yeah. like, feel it. But do you feel like when you're, like, vi like when you're, like, vibing with music or what you're listening to is it like a meditation like do you feel like you're in like a meditative state or like is it what yeah. what is it well i mean i i've always been kind of a more self-conscious person like sensitive self-conscious like wondering is why i do good like if anyone like i'm super sensitive to it you know but that's what a lot of artists are like but sometimes i feel like music like that to me is really helps center me a bit because it's just kind of like 
super self-reflective and internal like it's inward facing where it's mm. like you know and and that to me i can relate to because i, I feel like i can be an inward facing person where uh, like i'm easily bothered or hurt by things or frustrated or things like that and that kind of music speaks to me mm. I'm like okay that kind of feels like what i'm feeling and i can and that's the thing with instrumental music you can attach yourself to that a bit better because no you they're not saying it for you they're leaving the room for you to right. put yourself into it and even it's like a good therapist yeah a good therapist leaves room for you to speak not necessarily tells you what you need to know yeah you know yeah, yeah. and with grouper even though she sings technically it's a little different because sometimes you can't even tell really what she's saying it's almost just like a voice mm. so you know it's not like you can go oh this is what she's singing about sometimes you don't know Sometimes you're not entirely sure what she's singing about. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty intense, man. And so you work a normal job, 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, or what? Yeah, 7 to 4. Monday through Friday, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And you're married? Mm -hmm. How long have you been married? Um, It'll be three years this April. And how old are you now? 23. 23? Okay, so you got married when you were 20? I I had just turned 21 because it was... turned 21 in March and got married in April so it's like my wife had just turned 20 I had just turned 21 just dropped and up and then we got married right after that so it'll be three years in April it's gone by fast oh dude it goes by so fast man it like only speeds up it feels like five minutes ago yeah it is it well see that's what's like crazy is so Shannon she says she has uh like both of us would have gotten married earlier had we had the option you know because like we're like best friends and we do everything together and it it makes it's like one of those things where i want more memories with her versus you know and it's it's funny because i think that that's kind of a little bit unique to this area it's like getting married young yeah you know like there's a lot of places where it's like whoa don't rush it like yeah because i have a lot of musician friends not from here that are always like I don't know anyone who's married. Like you're like the only one. Like it's like you're like a weirdo. And you're yeah, like, it's like I didn't think it was like that weird. It's not that weird here. You know? Here, in yeah, Amarillo, it's not that weird. But yeah. when you get out a little bit, it's like I have a lot of friends that are my age or that I grew up with in North Carolina. None, oh, not many of them are married. Yeah. You know, all of them are still single. And we're about to hit thirty. Yeah. Dang, you know, most of my friends aren't married. Actually, yeah. thirty. You know, yeah. so it is kind of interesting. Especially being that young. I mean, 20 and 21 and 20. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty young. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty young. We always joke that we're like, I'll probably everyone in Amarillo thinks we're pregnant. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like, well, no, it's like we just wanted to get married. I yeah. Mean, we had known each other for a while and we just wanted to do it, you know? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's like one of those things when you, when you know it's right and you're not doing it for like rushing yourself type purposes yeah you know yeah it's 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 actually a very comfortable thing to settle into yeah it's not scary you're not like oh like like i hope this is right yeah i hope this works out we actually had a girl today we were leaving my church and she said uh she said to us are y'all married Mm -hmm. and we're like we're holding our 17 month old child and it's like we both have rings on but it's like yeah we're married and she's like oh how long y'all been married it's like, well, like four and a half years. And she's like, 
oh, oh, y'all must have been pretty young when y'all got married, is what she said. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we were, we were pretty young. And she's like, oh, well, that's good. Sometimes it works out. <laughs> sometimes and it works like, out. Thank we're you. We're both like, thank sometimes you. Sometimes it works. That's a weird thing to say yeah, to somebody. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck with that. It sometimes it's good. It's like, <laughs> what? It was so funny, man. Oh, that's bizarre. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a bizarre, like, that's one of the things that I love about church. That a lot of people, like an atheist, no. can't necessarily acknowledge is like, when you go to a church, it's a whole group of people. It's like family. You don't get to choose that you're with them. They're yeah. they're just the other people that show up at the same place at the same time. Yeah. You have no control over who it is. So you end up coming into contact with all these people that you would never meet any other any other way and then you end up like like that lady i've known her for like 15 years yeah. <laughs> you know it's like but our... it's just because we show up at the same place you yeah. know it's so fun man yeah. um i've been going to that church since i moved back here in uh my junior high school right at the end of my block central church of christ oh okay mm-hmm. yeah i've been going there my whole family's gone there forever yeah. it's like Walking in, it's like walking into your childhood home. Yeah, you know? like, it's just like everyone we, knows you. Yeah, every single person knows you. And they ask you this random question. You're like, dude, I didn't even thought about that in like five years. Like, how'd you remember that? Yeah. You know, it's pretty fun. Um, so you're an Amarillo local, Amarillo native, yeah. and and have no plans on leaving, huh? Not not as of as of now. No. Do you feel like you have more like? Has you, your uh, injection into the music industry, have you felt like you've grown as far as like people you know? Yeah, like yeah, absolutely. Resources and stuff? Yeah, the, I've definitely gotten a lot more connections and been opened up to a lot more stuff, you know. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that have helped me out with stuff. Have you had a lot of people like encouraging you to put together something that you can tour or like putting together something I, that you can... Yeah, I've more just had people be like, oh, you know, if you want to make it, you have to tour, right? And I've been kind of like, uh... How, why is that? I just, I don't know. I don't like being away from home. No, 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 no. Or why is it they tell you that? Yes. Um, I think because that's where money is at musically. Okay. You don't really make as much signed records. So anymore. you're selling tickets. I mean, selling tickets is really where you make the money, and that's yeah, it. So, yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Interesting. So you kind of have to tour so that you have a audience of 200 people that you can play to. Yeah. In all these different places. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, people tell you, you know, if you want this to work, you have to do that. You know. But see, you could have 200,000 people listening to you off of one recording. I mean, you know? possibly. I mean, I kind of like had a a weird moment where like uh, on Spotify, uh, like I was kind of new to it because I hadn't done a whole lot of stuff on it. And they uh, they put my new record up on it and they got me like verified on Spotify, like the little blue check mark or whatever. The label mm. did all of that. And uh, then one day I logged into Spotify and it's like said like 30,000 monthly listeners. And I was like, well, what, what, like, how did that get on there? And I looked and it was like I was on like a Spotify fresh finds playlist. Oh. So that like launched a bunch of people listening to it. So I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, the label definitely helped with like getting me on a playlist on there. And you realize, oh, like that's a lot of visibility. Yeah, where yeah. People that have no idea who they are listening to a like relaxing, studying music playlist or whatever. And you pop playing up. It, and a song plays, you know. And I had a friend that 
had that happen to him. All, the weird thing is, he's a singer-songwriter. He sings. But he had one track in his album that was an instrumental, a little acoustic guitar instrumental, and it got 5 million plays on Spotify. Oh. And it was, it was kind of ironic because he's a singer. Yeah, that's And the hilarious. instrumental song has yeah. 5 million plays. 5 million plays. Yeah. Like, and that's it was, crazy. And it was kind of ironic, but it was just because he got on a playlist and yeah. you know, people didn't know who he was, and then that plays, and it's just like, oh, okay. that like It really boosted his visibility. Yeah, you know? that is super interesting, man. That is uh that is crazy so you your uh label has put you on spotify and done all that stuff they, yeah they definitely did they did all the that spotify stuff they helped with that i have way, it oh go ahead they're way more connected in that world yeah than I yeah am, you know well i have a uh a, a, one of my ramble out uh podcasts i did mm-hmm. i i labeled algorithms mm-hmm. And that's what the whole podcast was really about was my Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. I can go to like recommended for you mm-hmm. and click on it and it will give me like three or four new rappers. Yeah. And like one of the guys I went and looked him up, Chewy, I think mm-hmm. is what his like name, like C H U U W E E was his name. Mm-hmm. And he, it, I looked at it, he had like 5,000 plays on, on YouTube. Like this mm-hmm. guy was relatively new mm-hmm. to the game or whatever. Yeah. It was like a newer thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, how interesting is that, that the underground is Spotify? Yeah. Like Spotify is where you find these people that you might not, versus whenever I was a kid or in high school, it was a buddy yeah. that had happened to hear from a friend who had yeah. heard a mixtape or, or something. Or it was like you know? college radio. Yeah. It was like low-key yeah, someone, college radio someone playing something. it on mm-hmm. there. Where now mm-hmm. it's like, even Bandcamp, like websites like that, where oh, people yeah. find a weirdo album that some guy uploaded from his basement, and it takes off because one person found it and was like, "Whoa, this is a really great album." Puts it on a playlist, you know? right? So I feel like a lot of modern music owes a lot to chance. You know, you're just kind of hoping that if it is worthwhile, someone will stumble across it. But see, it's almost like chance, like in a sense of uh, like imagine. Maybe Jimi Hendrix, right? He's standing in a football field, mm-hmm. and he's throwing a football, mm-hmm. and there's a swimming pool at the touchdown line, mm-hmm. you know, and he's trying to make it in the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's throwing one as hard. He only gets one shot, right? Yeah. You get one football. And yeah. now it's like the kids have a 1,000 footballs, and you're actually on the 30-yard line, mm-hmm. and the swimming pool is twice the size, yeah. you know? like it's But... Like, but there's, there's so 30 other fo- kids and there's whoever so makes more it footballs. in first yeah, wins. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. It's, it is, Interesting, I, I think man. We're, I think we're at an equal spot where it's easier and harder. Because back then it was easier to get nose because there was less to pull from. Right. But you didn't have the resources to reach out and just upload it immediately. Yeah. You had to go, well, I have to go knock on doors and ask people to like, put it out. You know. So, I mean, that it's easier... But harder. I think it's yeah. all the same. I don't it's think it, it, I, it is. It probably is. So I, I've actually had this. Uh, what would it? It wouldn't be called an anxiety. And like, so I feel like I'm behind the eight ball starting mm-hmm. a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, I'm behind the eight ball. You know, like people already have the podcast they listen to. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon everybody will be putting out a podcast because it's fairly easy to do, yeah. you know. But it's the exact same thing as with like music. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's really easy to put it out. It's really yeah. easy to do, but you still have the same amount of success. And, and barriers. In yeah, the way. barriers. You know, because yeah. it's like a podcast wasn't even relevant. And, you know, it's just like a podcast was just AM FM, like AM radio. Right. That, so now, like, the dynamics have changed mm-hmm. where it's changing every other day. Yeah. So there's never really a too late time to start. 
Right, right. Yeah. Anything, right? Even yeah. music. Like you, there's never, it's so funny to me whenever I meet somebody that's like 32 and they think they have themselves nailed down. Yeah. Like, oh no, I know who I'm going to die as. I know what I'm going to be when I'm 80. Yeah. At 30. It's like, dude, you have no clue. Like you could pick up the guitar, the guitar now. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're 70, you've been playing for 50 years or, yeah. you know, what would that be? 40 years. Yeah. It's like, dude, you'd be a proficient guitar player yeah. by 40, you know, at 40 years. Yeah. But nobody ever wants to take that chance to start. And you always have to take that start. You yeah. know, you always have to choose like, okay, I'm going to start putting out albums. Yeah. You know, I'm going to start that, uh, what scope of work or whatever. Have you heard Justin Timberlake's new song? Mm-mm. Filthy. I've not heard. It. <laughs> so, in the Curly household recently, we've been on a big Justin Timberlake kick mm-hmm. because the trolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. This little kid trolls kid, movie. Kids love it. Kids love the shit out of it, and yeah. the, the Justin Timberlake wrote and produced the entire album. Yeah, you know, and so it's like imagine the most catchy pop song that you could ever imagine, yeah. and then imagine an entire album of it about uh, trolls. trolls, you know. And <laughs> then I got this trolls. like I got this little kid, this seventeen month old dancing, yeah, you know, like just digging it, you know. So we're on a big Justin Timberlake kick, and then. So this new video, Filthy, comes out. It's mm-hmm. his first release off his new album. Dude, six million views. Yeah. In like six hours or yeah. something. I mean, what? He's huge. What? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it is interesting, man. It's uh, I, w- I was going to just ask your opinion on it. Shannon was saying she thinks it's like the beat is really futuristic. Mm-hmm. And even the, the music video to it, mm-hmm. it like it's... It's him dancing with a robot, you know, like some sort of like, yeah, like he dances, but the robot does what he's doing, but yeah. he's off stage doing it. It's kind of a crazy, interesting video, but yeah. it's very futuristic, like, yeah. and that's what I always wonder is like music will, so it has to be relevant to the time, right? Yeah. So if you were just playing a six string guitar, old fashioned style, it might not be as relevant, but the reason that people are latching onto it is because it's that old style with this like experimental underlay to it you know yeah like like that's why i say like steampunk you know it's going back to the 1800s for the fashion Mm -hmm. but then putting in this like make-believe 2000 year old technology or whatever and it's this weird mashup you know Um, but so like, I always wonder how much of that is like a conscious effort versus like just what flows out. I think it's just what I enjoy. Yeah. It's the stuff that I enjoy both. So I put both on it because those two aspects are what I really get into. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's pretty cool. Well, dude, we are at an hour 20. We'll probably pull the plug. Yeah. So that was a pretty good time. I think I got, I'm pretty sure. So I like. I'm terrible still at writing my notes, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure I hit all. Like, one thing I've written is uh, it's just flat and empty, um, but people miss the the deeper culture of this area. Yeah. When, like when they think, oh, it's just flat and it's surface level and it's nothing. Yeah. But then you meet all these people and they have like this almost like a burrow, you know, into yeah. like into themselves. It's kind of a weird place. Yeah. Um, but I think. I think we covered all of all of the points. Is there okay, so I've been asking guests this recently, so what would you like to play at the end of this podcast? A, a song? Mm-hmm. Of like anyone? 
So here's what I'm doing. I have no clue about the efficacy of this, but mm-hmm. what I'm doing is anytime I buy it on I buy it on iTunes, so mm-hmm. I'm at least buying the music and yeah. then I put it on at the end of it. Okay. So I think it could be anything. Yeah. Like literally anything. Um play some grouper. Grouper. Yeah. Okay. Dragging a dead deer up the hill. That's the name of the song. Yeah, it's not, well that's the album name. Okay. It sounds like a black metal album or something, but no, it's 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 not it's not not black metal. Do you have a Do you have a name of the song? Actually, do I have it right here? This has been the one that's uh, been sticking out to me the most song wise. All the songs are good. I like the the feel of the whole album. But let me uh, let me get the the exact song name just so you can play it. Yeah. Uh, the song's called "Stuck." Stuck by Grouper. By Grouper. All right. Thank y'all for joining us. Uh, and until next time, peace mm-hmm. out.